Tuesday night. Sports Night at Sportsnet 590. The Fan Alish and Justin leading with a PWHL game on the network tonight at 7 o'clock. New York at Montreal. We're going to chat with Renata Fass, Canadian Olympic gold medalist and PWHL Toronto defenseman. She'll be uh, participating in the PWHL All-Star Showcase, the 3-on-3 showcase here in Toronto during All-Star Weekend, February 1st. We're going to get a little bit of a look into Toronto. They haven't had the greatest of starts, but Renata, one of the leaders of the team, she's going to turn the ship around. Oh, for 3, right? Currently, you know, yes. It's going to change soon. It's a shortened season. <laughs> yeah. they got to get a win sooner than they later. Will. Uh, they're back in action tomorrow night. I'll be there, Madame Athletic Center. Uh, Frank Sarah Valley will join us momentarily. Leafs in action starting their West Coast road trip. McDavid versus Matthews tonight. Red Hot Oilers on a 10-game winning streak uh, tonight. That's 9 p.m. regionally on our network. And... I do believe Frank is already ready to rumble. Frank Saravelli of dailyfaceoff.com joins us. Frank, how's this going, buddy? Pretty good, uh, except for the Eagles. I'm doing all right. Oh, that's can we can tough. we take a second there? Let's like, take a sec. what, what was the emotion there? Because that was, that was a complete. Uh, it, it was. It was. It was. It wasn't a collapse because it wasn't built. It was like a no show. Like, what, what's what's the reaction in Philly after last night's woeful performance? <laughs> it was more rage than anything. I think. When you have a team that starts 11 and 1 and I don't care, you know, what the you know, the actual games themselves looked like, but you have some really good teams that you beat along the way to get to that point including the Cowboys the first time, mm-hmm. the Dolphins, a bunch of teams, the Bills, the big comeback that they had. I mean, they had set themselves up so nicely to then not even get a playoff home game and lose to Baker Mayfield. <laughs> like I mean, it's not as bad as losing to the Packers, but it's pretty bad. It, it was pretty bad. And, and Baker, I don't know if he was brilliant or lucky because Philadelphia's defense wasn't playing hard at all. But uh, yeah, he was diamond it uh, just a little bit. Okay, let's go to the NHL. And the biggest news item today, I think, was Julian Breezewell coming out and saying that Steven Stamkos wouldn't be traded. Uh, mm-hmm. What's the motive there? What, why did Julian Breezewell take the tack that he took today? Uh, is there some sentimentality there uh, with Brisebois, or is this some sort of posturing, in your opinion, Frank? No posturing, and I was actually surprised to see that people thought, Justin, that this was a really big story today in the sense that, yes, the Tampa Bay Lightning and Steven Stamkos have not been negotiating, but I had never, even at even the furthest distance in my brain, had ever connected a dot that at some point, during the course of this year with the lightning still very much in play to make the playoffs might consider potentially moving Steven Stamkos at the deadline. Like it was never on my radar. So the fact that it became a headline today, I was a little bit surprised. Why did it get brought up? Because naturally the first question that, uh, you know, Tampa Bay lightning fans want to know is, is our captain going to be here? He's been here for so long Will he be the guy that remains? And so, yes, they haven't negotiated, but I think they're a long way off from moving it. I guess we're getting close to hot trade talk, so I'll I'll add another one for you. Uh, Trevor Zegras, I know that after the Jamie Drysdale trade, there was a little bit of smoke. I wonder if uh, that has dissipated at all with the injury, or is that something on the table that the Ducks would consider moving him? And uh, it, would there be a great fit? I know we talked to the center depth is pretty nice in, in, uh, in Anaheim. Yeah, and uh, adding Cutter Gauthier, I mm-hmm. think, really kind of added some uh, smoke to that fire. And and look, the smoke has more or less cleared out for now because of the injury, six to eight weeks. I mean, you're talking right at the trade deadline. And for a deal that 
I think if the Anaheim Ducks were moving Trevor Zegras, doesn't really make a lot of sense to do it at the deadline. Why chop mm-hmm. off half the available teams that might be able to get in and be in the mix based on their current situation? You'd you know probably be considering a much more seismic trade in the offseason when you can reboot things a bit with your roster. So the reason why I added Trevor Zegras to my trade board is over the long haul, the long view that Pat Verbeek has for the Anaheim Ducks franchise, there's a lot of people really close to it that believe that Trevor Zegras doesn't fit that vision for how Pat Verbeek wants that Ducks team to play. They had the tough negotiation Jamie Drysdale had a really tough negotiation. You you see how that ended up turning out for Drysdale. He's in Philadelphia now. Um, I, I don't think it's anything top of mind for the Ducks right at this exact moment in time, but they have the depth this summer that if they truly believe that is the case and he doesn't fit their vision, that that's certainly something that I think they'd revisit. And I think his name had already popped up in trade talks before that that Pat Verbeek certainly wasn't shy in bringing that name up in talking to some teams. It seems everyone has an opinion on Trevor Zegers. Uh, would you expect a robust robust market for him? Like, what what's the opinion among league circles? Is it a shared one, or is it one where you're trying to find a specific team here or a specific general manager that would value the things that Zegers brings? It, it's a really good question because I think it's polarizing depending on how you view him. There's some teams that look at him and say, ah, he's kind of a one-dimensional player, someone that when he's not scoring, what exactly is he doing to help your team? And then I think there's kind of the more, I don't know if you want to call it a new school approach, but the thought process is, I don't really care how it happens. The guy is putting up back-to-back 60-point seasons. He's got creativity. He's got flair for the dramatic uh, he's someone that, you know, certainly could be one of those players that is a, you know, front and center face of your franchise guy, provided that he gets the proper support. And that part to me, um, I'm way more interested, you know, in today's game of harnessing what a player really does well, as opposed to spending so much negative energy, you know, fretting about the things <laughs> that he doesn't do well. Yeah, don't ask uh, John Torella about uh, the Michigan or Trevor Zegers, but everyone else's opinion. <laughs> not sure it'd work in Philly. <laughs> I don't know if that one would work out. Uh, Maple Leafs are about to see one of the uh, some of the best teams in hockey over this next stretch. I want to ask you about the Jets specifically. Uh, Kyle Connor returning from his absence. He was red hot uh, for quite a while, of course, leading that team. Um, I wonder how scary the Jets are because we don't really give them enough respect, I think, uh, because they you know quietly rose to stardom this year. Uh, I know Shifley back on, or on IR now, but you look at the addition of Kyle Connor and the Jets, I think we should be talking more about them. I mean, I, I don't know about you guys, but I've been talking a lot about the incredible run that they've been on without allowing more than three goals in a game. I think it's up to 33 games now, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> it's it's insane. Wow. It's It's going back to the first week of November. And I think part of the reason why maybe people don't take the Jets more seriously is because they might look at a stat like that and say, oh, well, it's just all Connor Hellebuck. He's doing all of that. And I think that's probably pretty unfair. It's unfair to their defense, which has been pretty stout. Josh Morrissey has had a a heck of a year. And then the other part is 
Look at their forward group and some of the pieces that they've been missing. You mentioned Kyle Connor and how long he was out. Mark Scheifele goes out and all of a sudden Adam Lowry steps up and he's your first line center and this team doesn't miss a beat. And I know Scheifele hasn't been out that long and this is going to be a bit of a different test, but they've also done this in a year in which Nick Ehlers has been okay, but hasn't sort of been next level. So I think the Jets, the scary part to your, you know, your hint, Ailish, is that they've got another gear to get to. And that's the thing that I think the rest of the the Western Conference may soon see. A big one on Sportsnet West tonight. Uh, the Maple Leafs visiting the Edmonton Oilers. Always interesting when these two teams play. But this is the start of a road trip here for the Maple Leafs. That might be a, a little bit ominous. Uh, you got the Western Canadian road trip plus the Kraken. And then it's the, the Jets on, on a home and home. So that's six tough games in a row here. For the Maple Leafs, uh, given how they played over the weekend, is this something that may resemble a bit of a death march? A death march seems a little harsh. I would say <laughs> this is season potentially season defining mm. is tell me where this team stands. You've now had a really good, you know, measuring stick test against a team like the Colorado Avalanche and they kind of felt and looked like they were on a different level. And Sheldon Keefe acknowledged that you've also got a road trip in which you're going to find out probably a bit about Ilya Samsonov again. And really, I think the biggest question that the Maple Leafs have to solve for at a time when you're starting to hear some rumblings again, is Sheldon Keefe's seat getting hotter, which personally I think is, it takes a back seat to some of the issues that this team has roster construction wise that they need to figure out they're on track for a hundred points and a hundred points in today's NHL really isn't all that impressive. And I'm not knocking their season, but what I'm saying is they need to decide and make a statement for themselves. Are we a team that deserves to go out and continue to add and make a huge deadline addition Or are we just an also-ran that's part of the Stanley Cup playoffs? And I don't know exactly which category the Leafs are in yet, and I'm personally waiting to judge until after Brad Living makes the moves that he's going to at the deadline in order to properly assess this team. And I would take it one step further and say that Sheldon Keefe, we should wait to evaluate him until he has a proper roster that doesn't have a number two defenseman, two number fours, and three number sevens. (laughs) Uh, Just... uh... Do you think there's a personnel issue? Like, we saw all this line shuffling for the Red Wings game uh, mm-hmm. over the weekend. Uh, I don't know if that's a protest, but it, it, sometimes when a coach does something like that, takes that sort of tack, it could be, in some ways, a complaint. Do you think that he thinks that he's got enough with this team? And I know there's maybe moves coming, but is Sheldon Keefe saying something with those roster moves, in, in your opinion? Good luck getting him to say it, if that's mm-hmm. what he's thinking, but... If I were sitting in his shoes, you know, looking at the roster that I have assembled in front of me right now, I wouldn't feel like I'm dealing with a full deck of cards. And you might look at it from a different perspective. And if you're David Quinn or pick another coach in the NHL, that's been incredible. Luke Richardson shorthanded this here. You're going, what what would this guy even be barking about? um, Given, you know, some of the talent that's at his disposal, I think, The roster part of it is one thing. I also think there's been an eye test part of this team that they've really struggled with. And it's, it's not even so much, um, you know, compete or anything like that. I I think it's more just like, there's some fragility Mm -hmm. to this team that I think is, you know, 
it seems like at times you begin to pull at a thread and and the sweater sometimes seems to come unraveled kind of easily that that part of their game they need to figure out. I just got through the Eagles season where <laughs> you saw them come completely undone as we talked about off the top, but there's something to that when you know things aren't going well for this team that it's not exactly an easy turnaround to get them out of it. Yeah, and I think you mentioned it earlier, uh, Justin and Frank, that this stretch here is going to be uh, maybe litmus test, maybe a uh, bear down and find some character. you got the Oilers tonight, a 10-game winning streak. Calgary Flames on Thursday. I mean, they have got three wins in a row. Uh, could be four tonight on Sportsnet 1. I wonder for you, you look at this team, and I think if we recycled our conversation from two or three months ago, we were pretty sure that they would be sellers at the trade deadline. They looked like they were an absolute mess. But, you know, maybe they're closer to defining who they are. What do you think that their trade deadline direction is and is it the same as it was a couple months ago well they're a scrappy team that's been grinding it out of late and the fact that they started two seven and one and have climbed back above 500 now really for the first time consistently this season they've they've got a lot of interesting facets to their game they're number one in the league in net penalty kill that part of their game has been really good um their goaltending from jacob markstrom has been excellent I still look at this team right now and say we were pretty sure earlier that they were going to be sellers, that you had your answer then. This is a team that's kind of barely above 500, uh, still has five teams to jump over to get maybe that final eighth and final wild card spot. And then you look at it and you say, okay, so even if they are able to get in, does anyone authentically believe that this Flames team is a threat to do any damage in the mm-hmm. playoffs? And I think everyone kind of, you know, uniformly shakes their head no. I think Craig Conroy, their GM, has his answer. I think he realizes that for a team and market that wants to be competitive in a two to three year window from now, as opposed to a full scale rebuild, that you can't trade all of your pending unrestricted free agents. You can't tear it all down, which is why I think it's still a pretty good bet that Noah Hannafin ends up re-signing. But the rest of it, I think their goal has to be to try and maximize as much value as they can between now and 53 days from now on March 8th at the deadline, because that's how this team is going to reboot. They've got to take some pieces and then flip them later this summer to go out and get quality pieces that they can put in their lineup in the short term as opposed to having to draft and wait five years. We're chatting with Frank Saravelli, president of hockey content at dailyfaceoff.com. Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury is uh, is an amazing hockey player and uh, <laughs> And I just to think, say the least. Yeah, he passes Patrick Waugh <laughs> for second on all-time uh, wins record. And, and you know, he's had a bit of a difficult, I guess, season getting there with that team, but he did. Um, and then I saw today you were discussing maybe him being a potential trade target. And, and that surprised me because I hadn't even thought about Marc-Andre Fleury switching teams again or moving on to a different NHL organization. Um, how likely is that? And, you know, when you, I guess it's a good reflection point of what his NHL legacy is after having accomplished something so great. His legacy for number one is that he's going to go down as one of the most popular players of all time. When you have four different teams that you've played on and every team that you've been on says that you're the best guy Mm -hmm. in the world, that kind of stands out. You saw, I don't know if you saw that little um, clip that they had on, on Bally sports last night where they, uh, had him thanking the post mid game after yes. you know a shot. <laughs> it was like is that was quintessential Mark Andre Fleury. Like that's who he is. 
is someone that in the middle of the play, while chaos is going on around him, he turns around to rub and thank the post. I mean, that's epic. Uh, So that's the first part of his legacy. The second is two things that probably won't ever be broken. I don't think anyone is going to ever catch Marc-Andre Fleury at a thousand games. He's the fourth person ever to do it. Think about just the pure math required. You need 20 years of 50 games or more. No, who's doing that? Who's coming into the NHL at 18 and going to go on a run like that? I, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't see it. Then the wins, and people were kind of bellyaching, saying, well, what about the goalies of yesteryear that had all those ties? Why, you know, you're not comparing apples to apples. And I went back and I looked through all the numbers and, and go look at it. Let's just assume that 50% of those ties ended up being wins. Stack them up on some of the best of all time. They still don't get to 552. So good luck. It's a legacy that for the most part is going to be unmatched. And how likely is it? I haven't had a chance to ask him directly, but part of the reason why we haven't really thought too much about him potentially moving on is we didn't really see this coming for the wild who had back to back hundred point years finally got their act together under John Hines and then had every single core piece of their lineup go out. Kirill Kaprizov, Jared Spurgeon, then Philip Gustafson, which puts all the onus on Marc-Andre Fleury. I feel like we need to test the he's an incredible human being uh, in the four markets that he's played in, in a Canadian market. I feel Mm. like we need to see it. Uh, And there are actually maybe a couple options. I mean, Mm -hmm. the Leafs have been looking for a goaltender. It hasn't been uh, a a, a dominant run for goaltenders in Edmonton, to say the least about that situation. Do either of those teams make any sense for Marc-Andre Fleury? And, And I get They'll love him in these markets too, but it might be a little bit more difficult uh, in those markets if you're not playing well. Different regime, but I think it was pretty close that Marc-Andre Fleury and Brandon Hagel at the time, they were the Leafs and and Hawks were deep in talks to pull something like that off. And Mm -hmm. it just never materialized. Um, I don't think it was anything player related that Knicks did. I think, Team-wise, they just weren't able to get over the hump. And I think that would have been something that, you know, potentially he could have been interested in. So it didn't didn't end up working out. I'm not so sure that I see a team like the Oilers as a, a fit. Um, look, you never say never, but I think the Oilers have a few different fish to fry first before they try and figure out uh, who's going to be 1B to Stuart Skinner. <laughs> Uh, last one for you, Frank. Uh, it may be too early to talk about July 1, but I do want to know what is top of mind for you. There are a lot of interesting conversations that can start in earnest. July 1, Mitch Marner can sign a new deal or negotiate a new deal. Dreisaitl, Patterson needs a new deal as well. Nick Nick Ehlers uh, can sign July 1. Uh, which one's m- most Miko fascinating Rantanen. for you? Mm-hmm. And Miko Rantanen wow. might be the answer. Uh, no, it's not. It's actually Elias Pettersson. Um mm-hmm. I... You know, I've sensed a growing frustration from the Canucks that they haven't been able to get more traction. The talks have been positive and amicable. Like, they've remained in constant communication. There hasn't been any freeze or anything like that. But Ian McIntyre had a great piece today on Sportsnet where he was in touch with Patrick Alvine, who basically said, hey, like, we'd like to get an answer here just because we've got to fill out this roster, not just for this year, but you know, we want to make plans for the next few years. And we'd, we'd love to have a number that we can factor you in on, which is really making business, I think, a little bit more difficult, or I guess you could say in parentheses, unnecessarily difficult for the Canucks to do approaching the March 8th trade deadline. And 
now they're in a spot where the the next question from Ian Mack was something like, you know, is this a little bit unusual for you that a star player of this caliber where you have a team rolling out the red carpet and the, the Brinks truck, they're ready to do it. And the other side sort of isn't engaging. Well, yeah, he said it, this is maybe a little bit unusual. So great work by Ian out in Vancouver today. And, and that to me, like, I don't know that there's a bigger storyline heading into the summer than that. Well, Frank, uh, I don't know if you're going to watch any more football, but there's always room on the Bills bandwagon if you want to jump yep. on board. Join no. us. No? Yep. Okay. Season. Join us, Frank. See you next year at, uh, at NFL kickoff then. All right, and Frank. <laughs> we didn't even get to the Brad Drew Living Bowl on Thursday. I'm going out to Calgary. Oh, you Can't are? Well, the, wonderful. See the Leafs live. Okay, well, enjoy that. Uh, maybe they'll work some magic on a trade or something while you're around and you can break it for us. We'll get your <laughs> scoops. See what I can do. <laughs> we'll get your scoops. Uh, thanks, Frank. Enjoy. Safe trip. And we'll talk to you next week. See you guys. That's uh, Frank Saravelli, president of hockey content at dailyfaceoff.com. It may be Elias Pettersson, but the dry sidle thing fascinates me because he's still got two more years. Mm-hmm. McDavid has three. But dry sidle having to make the decision first, and I know he's not going to do it in a silo and McDavid's not going to be involved in and there's like not going to be any collaboration there. But Drysaddle having to make the decision on the Oilers before McDavid is interesting to me. Like I expect it to mm-hmm. get done. They brought in McDavid's agent to run the team now. But like, what does Drysaddle sign for? And then what does McDavid do after that? I, I wonder I do how think much this year plays into that. I mean, they're on a ten game winning streak. The Maple Leafs are going to see them tonight. Uh, they are getting, uh, they've turned it around. I don't know if it's the new coach. I don't know if it's, okay, you have Dreisaitl and McDavid A healthy cooking. McDavid. You know, I think. Some semblance of goaltending. There can be something about, you know, just a new fresh face in that uh, locker room or behind that bench. But they've certainly turned it around. Uh, they look like a threat uh, to be, to put it lightly. Yeah, um, but, but the start won't matter. And this 10-game winning streak won't matter if it looks the same in the playoffs. Like the, right. the feelings going into summer are going to be the exact same if the Oilers crash out and say, the second round. It's just going to feel the same. And what will that feel like for Leon Dreisaitl? I guess we'll find out. That game's on 9 p.m. tonight. It's regional. We've got it. Uh, Toronto versus Edmonton. Um, okay, I actually have uh, a couple best bets for tonight. I know you do as well. Sure. We'll get those in there quickly before we take a break. Um, we're going to talk to Renata Fast after the break. Uh, PWHL Toronto, of course, and then Canadian Olympian. She's going to be an all-star at the NHL All-Star Weekend, and the PWHL is going to have a uh, three-on-three tournament, and she will be on the ice. So PWHL unders have been the moneymaker. Our thing. And they've caught up on to us. So mm. out of 10 PWHL games which have been played so far, eight of them have hit the under five and a half, eight of them. Well, now the under five and a half tonight between uh, Montreal and New York, which we have on Sportsnet in about 30 minutes, is minus 170 for the under. So I think they have caught on. And so I'm going to just not play that one tonight because... That's fair. you got to lay a lot to do I that. do think Montreal, though, hosting New York uh, will get the win. That's also my bias. But they were robbed from an OT win in their home opener. So I think they get back uh, and they get a win tonight. Uh, so I'm going to go Montreal on the money, money line, minus 130. And I just have a quick one for Leafs and Oilers. I'm going to go over seven. That's plus 100. I think, look at the goal scoring ability on both ends of the ice. Look at the goaltending ability on both ends of the ice. I think it over is a safe bet. And I'm going to go revenge angle with Zach Hyman, who's on a 55-goal pace this year to get a goal, plus 115. And maybe feeling a little aggrieved that yeah, there's that so many the Leafs at the All-Star mm-hmm. game and he's not at the All-Star game. I'm kind of thinking the same thing. I think there's going to be a lot of goals tonight. But I also think it could be a tough night for the Maple mm. Leafs. I'm going to take the Oilers team total over 
four and a half is the alt line plus 180. I think it could be a high scoring night. I think it could be a long night uh, for the Leafs traveling to Edmonton against an Edmonton team that is hot and looking mm-hmm. for revenge. Uh, I think always uh, against the Maple Leafs. And then looking ahead here, we got uh, NFL lines for divisional weekend. We got the Ravens nine point favorites hosting the Texans. Mm -hmm. We got the 49ers, I think nine and a half now hosting Green Bay. Detroit a six point favorite over Tampa Bay and Buffalo two and a half Mm. uh, hosting Kansas City. (sighs) The thing that I like the most from these like initial lines is the Lions. Mm -hmm. I I think, you know, Baker Mayfield obviously had a great night against Philly, but Philly – and La- and Detroit could not be more different right now. The Lions are playing as hard as you could see or you could uh, imagine from a football team. And we saw Philly absolutely mail it in last night. I think the Lions are going to the NFC Championship game. I think they win by margin this weekend. Yep, I like the Lions and the Bills, of course. Those are my two favorite. Uh, Sunday's going to be a very exciting day. We do have the Kraken game that night at 9 p.m. So you and I will be grinding hard. Uh, let's take a quick break. Renata Fast will join us on the other side on the fan pregame. Big opinions and in-depth conversations covering the Leafs, Jays, Raptors, and the NFL. The J.D. Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Fan Pre-Game, Sportsnet 316, Sportsnet 590, The Fan, Justin and Ailish. Uh, we're excited because in a couple weeks, it's going to be the NHL All-Star Weekend, and PWHL is getting a three-on-three showcase, uh, which is going to have players from all six of the teams. The inaugural season, of course, they're going to play in a 20-minute game. Rosters are stacked. They've got 146 Olympic and 46 World Championship medals and 17 NCAA Division I championships. So... You want the hardware? It's on the ice. You want the storylines? It's there. They've got uh, some pretty interesting makeup of the rosters. We mentioned it yesterday. We've got Hillary Knight and Marie-Philippe Poulin on the same team. That never happens. Uh, But it's going to be an absolute blast. It's just a couple weeks away. Someone that's going to be headlining that, Renata Fast, uh, joins us from Toronto PWHL team. Renata, how's it going? I'm good. How are you? We're good. We're excited to have you on. Uh, we're fired up because we're getting, uh, you know, a couple weeks into the PWHL season. We're starting to, like, understand, you know, the rosters and the energy around it. But I want to go back to day one just to start with you because I got to be at the inaugural PWHL game, of course, on New Year's Day. And, I mean, I got emotional sitting in the stands watching, right? It was uh, it was something that I think we can all agree it was a long time coming, but very very special, and you got to be a part of it. So, so tell me about that day, the the understanding that this was the start of something brand new and something that you had worked so hard with your teammates and those that came before you and those that will come in the next generation. Yeah, it was such an incredible day. I mean, the support we got um, at Madame was incredible, but it was so interesting, like heading heading to the rink that day. It didn't feel like a typical game day, like those game day nerves that you normally get. Like the nerves were different. It was like almost like the anticipation of this moment and just like <laughs> realizing how exciting this is for the sport of hockey, for women in sport, um, for every fan, for the future, for the generations that didn't get to play in this game. So mm-hmm. uh, it just, oh my God, there were so many emotions. And, and to be honest with you, like the game was kind of a blur because of that. But when it really hit me was the next night when I got to sit on my couch and I got to watch Ottawa 
and watch their home mm -hmm. opener and like just kind of process all those emotions. So yeah, it was a phenomenal day, uh, the start of something so special. So what does it feel like right now? Uh, we're a couple weeks into this thing, obviously, three games under your belt. Not the greatest start for Toronto, but, uh, you know, there's like, <laughs> there's the emotions of the start, right? And then there's settling into, hey, this is their, the new life. This is the new professional athlete life that I'm living. So how is that life? Yeah, that that's exactly it. Like like you said, the results haven't been there like Toronto, um, what we what we want. But there's so much adjustment that's happening, and um, this environment of training every single day and players, you know, like leaving their careers mm -hmm. behind. We have people on our team that have been cops for a couple of years. They've been firefighters. They've been nurses. They've been teachers. So we have people who are coming in and just kind of like getting used to this professional landscape. It's been so incredible to just come to the rink, have our meals there, have all the training stuff there. We need to be at our best. And um, it's been amazing. And, and the best part about it is for the Toronto team is, is we have such a great group. And, and despite the results not being, you know, what we want, um, we're all staying connected. And, and that's what you can ask for in a team. Uh, no one's going off on their own and being an individual. Everyone's sticking to the process. And like, we're pretty confident the results are going to come. But it's been, it's been just like a phenomenal has surpassed all our expectations from a professional standpoint. It's it's truly been incredible. Yeah, I've been able to talk to a couple of friends, of course, former teammates that are a part of the PWHL. And the word I keep hearing is it's professionalism. It's so professional. It's different this time. So tell me, like, where you've seen the differences, where you've seen the strides, because we've gone through this before. There's been different leagues, uh, and this time it does feel different, but you're living it. Like, where are you seeing okay, this is, this is the real deal. This is going to work. This is going to last. Like what kind of little things uh, make that for you where you trust that this is the real thing? Yeah, there's, there's multiple things, but I think you can look at it from like an athlete's perspective and for the players, like the biggest transformation for us has just been the daily training environment, mm. like going to the rink every day and like the, the money is there to support staff who are experts in their field, who can provide us with their expertise. So we have strength and conditioning coaches. We have uh, multiple medical staff. You know, we have uh, video coaches, really qualified coaches. Mm. So from an athlete perspective, it's just, it's, it's the environment we get to train in every single day. It's the food we get to eat. Like we can focus on hockey. All 28 players in our hub right now can focus on hockey and try to be the best players they possibly can be. But the area that I think like, when I look and I'm like, wow, this thing is going to grow. It's just the media coverage and, and the investment that the ownership has put in to ensure that um, this game is being seen. You know, you, you saw how many uh, broadcast networks are broadcaster games, but then it's free on YouTube for anyone in the world to watch. Like it's so accessible. Um, just, just the visibility um, is, is going to allow it to grow for years to come. And that's something we've lacked in previous mm -hmm. leagues. And, and we finally have, and it's, it's such a cool thing to turn on the TV and be like, yeah, like every night I'm like, is there a PWHL game today? Like, I want to watch. <laughs> so I want to go back to the uh, the draft, Renata, because you're one of the designated players for Toronto, uh, but you're watching the draft unfold, uh, I'm sure, and, and probably sitting on the edge of your seat <laughs> while that's going on. Of course, Toronto takes Jocelyn the Rocks, uh, who you play with uh, uh, in a pairing uh, with the first overall pick, at least uh, in terms of Toronto's uh, draft picks, their first round pick. What was that like consuming the draft? What was it like seeing Jocelyn go off the board to Toronto early? What what were the emotions uh, you were dealing with while you were seeing your team come together? Yeah, it was really, really cool, but such a nerve-wracking day. <laughs> like, uh, we were with, like, as we had a Hockey Canada training camp the week before, or actually 
yeah, a couple days before the draft happened. And there's just so much uncertainty for players, uh, just so many nerves to figure out like where they're going to be, where they're going to be settled. But it was really cool to actually watch the draft unfold. I think the draft was like at least five hours long, but like yes. I was like engaged the entire five hours, just so curious where my friends where previous teammates were going to end up playing and like how the teams were going to come together there was so much talent and depth within the draft that like even when we got to the later rounds it was like how's that person still on the board um so it was really cool really unique to see toronto come together um there was a lot of familiarity with um with who we were drafting i i knew a lot of the players so that that was nice to be able to support the ones that were there and reach out to the ones that weren't um there in person but really cool to kind of see that for the first time all six teams being configured right there in front of you was there a non-toronto team that was coming together live that you were like whoa there's a lot of talent on that team honestly there was a lot of teams like that but i would say the one that like really everyone kept being like wow wow was new york Mm -hmm. because i think there was so much uncertainty around the new york like like where were they going to play out of like new york's very expensive like the the gm came in late Mm -hmm. so i think that there was a lot of question marks around new york's market um and then ellis shelton going there really early in the draft it was like oh my gosh okay like ellis going to new york like there's so much uncertainty but then they just kept drafting great picks jamie bourbonnet jesse eldridge jill saunier like it just kept going 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 so it was kind of like wow like new york's coming together really nice and and i'm happy for those girls that they have like a great network of players that they get to play with. And I mean, you've seen it on the ice. They feel like they're like the young kids on the block mm-hmm. that have something to prove. So it's they're, they're I mean, they were fun to play against and um, yeah, they have a great squad. Uh, you can watch New York and Montreal in about 20 minutes on Sportsnet. Uh, that's going to be a great one, of course. Uh, Montreal at home, and they uh, they had a tough uh, OT loss on their inaugural home opener. All the home openers have been incredible, of course. Like I, uh, I just can't believe how much desire there is and how much participation there is. And as you mentioned, the media coverage, uh, it's been incredible. Uh, I want to ask you about the makeup of the Toronto team, because as you mentioned, a lot of veterans, a lot of experience you've had with some of the girls, but there's some rookie youth that really haven't had a professional experience. And then there's some international talent, which has been so exciting to see. It's not just a North American game anymore. You're seeing players from all over. For you, how difficult or, or how much of a fun challenge, in a sense, is it to create that chemistry? You're a leader on the team. you got to get everyone together and get the ball rolling pretty quickly. And having Troy Ryan, obviously, as a head coach with the familiarity, how much has that helped as well? Yeah, it's helped a ton. We have a great relationship with Troy, uh, being able to build that over the last couple of years with the national team. So mm-hmm. even with Gia Kingsbury as the GM, like, we we know what they expect. We know like the culture they like to create, uh, open door policy, this and that. So uh, as a leader, that's that's very comforting to know kind of their expectations and how they communicate. Um, but it's been super fun to get to know all the girls. Uh, I'm starting, I feel like I've never felt like old and I don't feel old on this group, but then you hear them start talking about certain things. And you're like, oh my gosh, I'm a lot older than you. But <laughs> um, we have we have a good mix of, of vets and rookies. And um, we we all keep saying as a team, we're like, we have like a mixed bag of like mm. personalities, but everyone is like so accepting of who each person is. Mm. Like uh, everyone's coming to the rink each day and completely being themselves and like their true selves. And it's just only like amplifying our locker room. Like it's, it's such a fun environment to be in. And I think because we have some vets, because we have some rookies, it's helping with that kind of like fun atmosphere. There's bringing a little bit of everything. It's funny. It's, I, I know what you mean when you say that you feel old because like, they're like, let's go to the Maddie. And you're like, 
what that place like you're not going to the Maddie that doesn't exist still like you start to know your age cap a little bit uh when you know you're 30 and they're 20 something years old uh so. yeah I'm like what define what going out means because I like what, what does that like mean to nowadays? a wine bar no they're like let's yeah. go to a frat at U of T and you're like no no that's not our scene what outfit do I wear to this <laughs> no I, I I feel yeah when I was there watching I it's fun because there's new players that have never had an opportunity to play professionally so um I you know I'm looking them up on like elite prospects learning about them uh which is really exciting because I'm not that far removed, but I haven't played with a lot of players before uh, that are coming out of the league. And I think it's exciting like not to look ahead too much, but next year there's already going to be this influx of young talent coming out of university, um, coming from overseas. Like it almost feels like we already need to expand, right? It already feels like there should be more opportunity because six teams, you know, there's only so many spots. Uh, are you excited for the idea that maybe there will be more places to play? There'll be more markets to approach and more young talent that's going to keep us, uh, like, keep you guys getting in shape still because, you know, they're going to be 21 years old. It's scary. <laughs> I know it is. It's pretty cool. Like, we've never had an environment where these players can come out of college and, like, so many of them are going to keep playing. Like, in the past, I know you know, Ailish, like, so many <laughs> girls are like, I'm like, they're not even at their peak of their, of them as an mm-hmm. athlete, but they're like, it's not sustainable for me to keep playing. So they give up. But now so many more players are going to be entering that draft and continuing their career, their careers on and getting better every year. So yeah, there's going to be an influx of new players every single year. And uh, I think it's inevitable that there will be expansion at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's smart to start six, start very highly competitive. Um, but at the end of the day, like there's players coming up and we need somewhere for them to play. So whether it's um, like a feeder system somehow, mm-hmm. I know there's a league in Sweden, players can go play in right now. But just finding a way that more players can continue their careers and like have aspirations after college to even if they don't make it initially to get into that league in a couple of years because they haven't even hit their peak yet. <laughs> so Boston, Toronto tomorrow, uh, Toronto's still looking for its first victory. I mean, Boston sounds like the right sort of city mm-hmm. uh, to get said victory over. But give us a little bit of a scouting report. What does Toronto have to deal with with Boston tomorrow night? Well, they have a lot of offensive power. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking of like Jamie Lee Rattray, Hillary Knight. Oh man, they have like so much, so much talent. I'm really good friends with Jamie Lee Rattray. Mm-hmm. So anytime her and I match up against each other, we're like highly, we're like really good friends, but we're so highly competitive in practice. So like anytime we play against each other, it's always a battle. So I'm looking out for that one. But um, yeah, I think the Toronto, we just need to, um, we need to stay connected as a, as a group of five, even from the goaltending out. And I think our four check is going to be so important heading into um, tomorrow's game, getting on top of their D, turning pucks over, and then We've been pretty perimeter with our game so far, so finding ways to kind of get inside the dots, get some great A scoring chances, and um, yeah, just playing solid defensively because Boston's got a lot of firepower up front. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you about, because I've talked to a lot, which is exciting, a lot of fans that are new to the game, right? Because the accessibility is so easy just to turn it on. Um, but they've been so surprised and encouraged by the physicality. I haven't had a chance to talk to all, all of the, the players yet in terms of what their perspective is. But it's much different than when we played in the CWHL. It's much different than when I watch uh, the Olympic or the International. Uh, so how are you enjoying uh, being able to just crush girls in the corner? <laughs> because it's been fun. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm not complaining. I think it's been incredible. I think it's great for our game. The fact that I don't have a penalty yet is surprising for you. Um, no, I, honestly, I think it's it's a very great step for our game. And, and there's going to be growing pains with it, like figuring out from the referee's perspective, like what is a penalty, what is not a penalty. Same with for the players. And I think like there's a lot of players that are so used to contact, but there's players that aren't used to contact and they need to like, like, 
just kind of learn about getting hit and how to position their body. But once we get that going, like I think it's going to just allow our game to the pace of the play to pick up. There's be more enjoyment for fans because I think right now, like it's it's annoying when there's so many calls and it's so inconsistent. Mm-hmm. And if we can just like have contact and everyone be on the same page with it within within a certain line, like I think it'll make the game more enjoyable for the players, for the fans. And um, yeah, I've really enjoyed it so far. I think it's it's helped our game for sure. Yeah, it's uh, the first game was like, what is that? Did I miss a rule change? Like these girls are out for <laughs> yeah. blood and then it's continued. So were, it's been... were, you, were you expecting that? Like I, I know mm-hmm. you guys were collaborative when it uh, comes to the rule change and how the game was going to be played. But was there an adjustment for you? Or is like, oh, this first five minutes is very <laughs> physical. Uh, I now know the standard and I'm going to apply that. Yeah, well, it's funny. So we had preseason games in Utica and we had heard that the PWHL was going to bring in like the AHL loop of referees to ref some of our games throughout the season. Um, And we were like, okay, like they'll probably let us play a little bit more. And I was actually talking to my husband who used to play pro and he was like, yeah, in the men's game, like they'll call any stick penalty, like any slash on the hands, like any tap, like automatically called, but like, they're probably going to let you play a little bit more body. So Utica, the first game, like the game was physical and we're like, Hey, like, this is awesome. They're going to let us play. So um, heading out to the rink for the first game on January 1st, like I take a look at the refs. I wasn't sure who was refing our games. And we had a couple of male refs out there with a couple uh, women ref. And uh, like, as soon as the game started, like you could just tell they were going to let things go and, and you gauge it from there. And yeah, so I think it's going to be great for our game, but it's, uh, it's exciting. Uh, last one for you, Renata. We're talking to Renata Fast, of course, of PWHL Toronto, and will be a PWHL All-Star at the Showcase uh, in just a couple weeks away. I know it's not your first NHL All-Star weekend, but this is a special one because you're with the PWHL. you got your uh, your three-on-three tournament, which will be uh, an absolute blast. So what are you looking forward to this time around? Because it, it is not the first time, but it is a different time for you. Yeah, there's there's a couple of things, but it, the fact that it's in Toronto is really cool. Um, <laughs> I had the opportunity to go in San Jose and then in St. Louis and incredible experiences. Um, but we're in like the hockey hotbed in Toronto, like just to think of the fan fest and the interactions that you're going to have. Um, that's exciting. And obviously playing for the Toronto team, there'll be some extra eyes on the Toronto <laughs> players. Um, yeah, but I'm really looking forward to also representing our league because this is before we were representing Canada and USA, but now this is an opportunity to gain more exposure for our league. So it's going to be, you know, a lot of buzz around that, which is exciting. Yeah, we'll keep hyping it up uh, for the next couple of weeks, but I'll see you tomorrow night. I'm an inaugural season ticket holder um, of the Toronto team. So I'm looking forward to seeing you guys You're being every honored, week. aren't you? Uh, yeah, we might be getting like a... So look the, out for the ceremony. The team is giving the season ticket members like a gift at some of the games, and I think I might be up tomorrow. So um, get us a goal, give me a wave. <laughs> and uh, and uh, it's been amazing so far. So congratulations. I know all the hard work that goes on behind the scenes, Renata, so I know you've been uh, so important for that. So enjoy the rest of this season and keep crushing it. And we'll see you at the All-Star Game as well. That's awesome. Thanks so much for having me, guys. No problem. Uh, thanks so much for your time. Renata Fast, of course, of PWHL Toronto and a PWHL All-Star. That three-on-three showcase uh, is a couple weeks away, no, uh, November, not November, February 1st. It's going to be a great, great night. We're excited to be down there. She's on Team Cloths, which has a lot of Toronto and Canadian talent. Uh, Aaron Ambrose, who used to play here in the market, of course, you know, a friend of mine. Uh, Jocelyn LaRock, so Renata's D partner, will be there as well on that team. Taylor Heisey, who we're hoping to chat with next week, so stay tuned. She was the first overall pick, of course, at the PWHL. Uh, Sarah Nurse, f- a fan favorite in the area. Laura Stacy, my best friend. 
So I'm I'm definitely on Team Claus, not just because we interviewed Renata. <laughs> you guys both laughed when you mentioned the physicality in the CWHL. Mm. Why why was that? Was it like no? Oh, I mean, no bueno. No, no, no bueno is a great is a pretty great way to put it. Like if um, and I was in CWHL for those that didn't know, uh, not the top line player. I was more of a grinder. I'd be a PK, you know. No, you line, got one grind. career goal under a your fourth belt. Line Don't grind. So I would be out there to spark the energy, like, hey, we need a we need a you know a shift in momentum. So I was, you know, I was the fourth line grinder. Anywho, but you had to be very careful about energy and physicality because they were very different. Like if you went in there and you tried to, you know, get hard on the uh, on the forecheck, you couldn't, you know, just make a, a small physical bump mm. off the the Toe the line. You had the total line. Uh, but when I watch these PWHL games, I am just shocked because there's open ice hits. And some of them, like I think as she mentioned, Renata, that they're still trying to figure out what the standard is. And the other thing is when you're playing women's hockey growing up, you're not taught how to properly give and receive checks, right? Because there is no hitting. So it can be a bit abrupt to all of a sudden have full contact. Like it's not the NHL level full contact, but there is more physicality in this game than I've ever seen. And it, there needs to be a bit of a figuring out process about, you know, okay, what is and what isn't accepted, as Renata said, making sure the referees all have the same standard. But, I mean, I, I get messages from people that are just watching women's hockey for the first time, and they just cannot believe how much, I guess, more exciting um, and more enticing it is to watch that level of physicality because it's always been something that we've had. We just haven't been able to exercise it properly. So it's it, a big difference from the CWHL. Was that like a major, major point of frustration when you were playing? Like, no, like no. Did, is everyone like on board? No, no, no. I, I never had like a. I wish I could crush this girl in the no, corner. Like no, that, no, but no, like, I know. But like, if it's ticky tack and you try to get on a forecheck and there's just some like incidental contact. No, in I the... don't think I ever had like reservation or uh, frustrations about it. I think it definitely changed the game. It did way more fast paced and skill pay uh, skill based. Right, mm-hmm. like if you didn't have the speed to get around somebody or the stick ability to dangle somebody. Now you have to, you might get laid out. Like you might get rubbed off in the corner, like crunched into the corner, right? But before you could just use your speed and skill to get around people. So it adds an element of the game that, you know, I didn't really have much of, but uh, it's been, it's been really exciting to watch. Uh, we got that big game, um, and by the way, in, in 10 minutes here, uh, New York at Montreal. So looking forward to it. This is going to be a really great weekend. I think the girls deserve uh, their own platform, which is exciting that NHL has given it to them, a a full uh, three-on-three game with the best of the best. Uh, So if you haven't had an opportunity to watch it, get on board. Uh, There's lots of great hockey to be played still. Yeah, looking forward to it. It's going to be a great weekend, and there are so many events uh, that we're going to try to get to. Mm -hmm. That's definitely uh, one of them. It's going to be uh, a great weekend. Uh, we got time for a little A-list action. Uh, Do you want to throw some stuff at us here? Yeah, um, let's look backwards and maybe forwards to the Bills game yesterday and the Bills game on Sunday. It was obviously a snowpocalypse. It was absolutely hysterical watching fans have to shovel themselves out of the, the seats, but that's what... Bill's Mafia does. Um, but I wonder for you, was it fair to be throwing snowballs at opposing players when, you know, the play, maybe the play is over or isn't over? Anyway, what is your well, thought on that's snowballs? that's the key distinction. I mean, yes. we were on the air during that game, and, and I have seen snowballs being thrown at players before uh, in snowy games. But, like, if it's happening during the play, I mean, it's clearly that yes. can't go down. I agree with that. But I will say, once the play is over, <laughs> and if the Pittsburgh Steelers scores a touchdown and it's just pelted with snowballs, mm-hmm. like, I'm all for okay, that. Okay, good. 
And you you know you're preaching to like the proper choir here, but I think for sure. Well, you'd be in the front row throwing the snowballs. I would have definitely thrown a snowball. Like, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I jumped through a table last time I was at a Vegas mm-hmm. game. So. Was it on fire? No, I. that's one thing I wouldn't do. That's, to me, too. it's just one step too far I into say, Bill's Mafia that I, I'm not I, ready for. I know they were throwing snow, and I know there, were throws, there was snow, rather, still in the stands. The field looked amazing, though, eh? The field did look amazing, but the seats also looked clean. It was like just the warmth of everyone's butt was <laughs> like just like basically cleared the snow. It, it felt like... Or it looked like, at least in the second half, that it was kind of clear in the stands and on the field. We've got to check the weather forecast for Sunday. Of course, they don't need shovelers. They just need people to sit down. They do, they, but they had to get into the building somehow. Uh, the Chiefs in, in Buffalo. It'll be the Chiefs like their first road playoff game. Like you know, Patrick Mahomes. It's going to be a test. Obviously, these two going head to head. You've got the Swifties versus the Bills uh, fandom. Sometimes you're. I don't, I don't sometimes think... you're in both, and that's difficult. Well, you tell me, is Taylor Swift one for Buffalo? It's hilarious. Like, I've, seen all, the, the I've seen all these memes now where yeah. it's like Taylor Swift showing up to like the best hotel. Yeah, and, was, like it's like yeah. motel in Buffalo. Yeah, she'll no, probably... Let's not diminish Buffalo. No, I love, you know, I love. I know, that's funny. You but know, like, I love Buffalo. Do you think she's going to be in Buffalo? Yeah, of course. A. She'll, she can hang in Buffalo. But do you think the Chiefs can hang in Buffalo? No. No. I think they get exposed. But you, you think I'm going to go against the Bills? Oh, but, but, I mean, like, even if you're not going to go against the Bills, you could have some we worry. You're very confident, though. No, I'm not. I'm so extremely you're nervous. Terrified. Yeah, <laughs> 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 the stomach is a pit. But we have many a days to tee okay. that up. Uh, it's going to be a great weekend ahead. So we do agree snowballs when the play is not going on is accepted. 100%. Perfect. I'm glad we're on board for that. Uh, I had a little bit more, but we know it. We're running out of time. So let's tee up what we got tonight in case you missed it. New York at Montreal in the PWHL. That's at about five minutes on Sportsnet. A little later, Arizona and Calgary on Sportsnet 1. That's at 9 p.m. regionally as well. Toronto take on the 10 straight winners. The Edmonton Oilers. You got McDavid versus Matthews. We think that's going to be a goal-scoring Bonanza. I'm hoping it is. And then, you know, the Maple Leafs obviously got a very heavy week ahead on the West Coast. And, you know, people are saying Sheldon Keefe's, you know, maybe coaching for his job. I don't know if we can get there yet, but tonight will be a very, very big test. Yeah, I think we're going to learn a lot about the Leafs. And I guess we can learn a lot about the Oilers tonight as well. Yeah. Are are the Maple Leafs like third best team in Canada? Well, I'm not just, you know, they got a couple tests this Could week to figure it out. All right. That was the fan pregame. Thanks, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow. Have a great night.